Take your Bibles today and turn to Exodus chapter 4. We will be looking at verses 18 through 31 of Exodus chapter 4. Since it's the last day of last Sunday of 2021, I want to talk to you about what it means to release spiritual baggage and cross borders. Several years ago, quite a few years ago now, when my uh, boys were young, we were traveling to, uh, we were traveling from Spain back to the U.S. My mother lives in Spain and my sister lives in Spain, so we would go there to visit them. And my boys were in a season where they were all about being warriors and cowboys and guns and weaponry everywhere they went. So a little fake weaponry, of course. And so we had loaded, they had loaded up in their suitcase, their bows and arrows and guns and so forth. And so I'm about to fly from Madrid coming back to Chicago. I'm on the plane and actually sitting down ready to enjoy this seven, eight hour uh, flight over the ocean. And someone gets on the intercom and they says, could Mr. Job come to the front? Uh, Mr. Job, why they call me off the plane? So I go to the front and I said, is everything okay? They said, Mr. Job, follow us. So I said, yes. They brought me down. The security came, guys with machine guns. They said, are you Mr. Job? I said, yes. They said, please follow us. I said, uh-oh, uh, did I do something? Follow us, sir. No questions asked. And they took me to my son's suitcase. And I said, is there a problem? They said, do you have weapons? I said, oh, you mean, yeah, toy guns? Sir, please open up your suitcase. So I opened up the suitcase, and there they were, the toy guns and rifles. And uh, I said, these, are, you know, these aren't real, see, sir? Oh, oh, they looked at me and said, well, they look real. I said, well, there are kids, you know, they're just boys, toy, weaponry. I'm raising my sons to be warriors for things that are right. And they said, well, sir, you cannot fly unless you get rid of these. I said, well, my boys aren't going to be too happy about that. Sir, you either stay or this gets out of your suitcase. And so I had to, they confiscated the toy guns so that I could cross the border. Now, here's what they made clear. Unless I get these toy guns out of the suitcase, I have to stay with the suitcase because there's certain things that they say, you cannot cross the border with this. Let me me give you what I want to talk to you about today. There are certain things that God at the border control of 2022 is opening up your spiritual suitcase and is saying to you, you cannot cross effectively into 2022 unless you get rid of this from your suitcase. And so I want to challenge you to think for a moment, is there something that God is asking me to get rid of? Is there baggage, spiritual baggage that I have that I should not drag into 2022 because God has already been speaking to me about releasing it in this year. Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, verse 20. It says, So Moses took his wife and his sons 
And he put them on a donkey, and they started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. Now, some of you know the story of Moses, how the Pharaoh felt threatened by the Israeli slaves. They had grown powerful and numerous. And the Egyptians felt like if there was an uprising that they would overwhelm them and overcome them. So the Pharaoh determined that he would slaughter every male child born. And so he instructed the midwives to kill the babies if they were male children when they were born so that there would be less males to fight. One of the women that gave birth to a beautiful baby boy, she named him Moses. In order to save his life, she protected this little baby boy and she took him and put him into a little crib, floating crib, down by the river and had her daughter check on them. And you know the story. The Pharaoh's daughter was down there bathing, heard the cry of a baby, thought it was an abandoned baby and adopted that baby. And that baby was raised in the house of royalty and grew up, although they were a son of a slave, grew up in royalty, his name was Moses. When Moses grew old enough, he realized his heritage, his roots. And he realized that God had called him to be a liberator. And so in his own power, he tried to liberate and bring justice to his people. And he killed someone. When the Pharaoh and the commanders found out about it, Moses had to flee into the desert and run for his life. He was about 40 years old at the time. He went to the desert far from the royalty and the palace and the glamour of Egypt in the land of Midian. There he met a woman and married her, had two boys, became a shepherd of sheep, forgot the dreams that he had had of being a liberator. No one knew that he had grown up in a palace as royalty. He was now a man that held sheep and smelled dirty and spent his years and days out in the field and had little contact with people. Most of his days were caring for lambs. And one day, about 40 years into being a shepherd, he saw at the distance something that puzzled him, a fire. But this fire seemed not to dwindle. And so, out of curiosity, he approached this bush that was burning, these flames that seemed a little bit rare and iconic, and this bush that didn't seem to be consumed even though it was burning for a long time. And as he approached the bush, he actually had, yeah, we get the phrase from this, a burning bush experience. God spoke to him at that moment and reignited his calling challenged him to go back to Egypt. He resisted and thought, no, who am I? I've given up on that dream. And God reignited his call and said, Moses, I want you to go back and set my people free. So Moses wrestled with it, but he gave in to the call. And so he gathered his wife, Zephora, and his two sons, two young sons, And they started to make their way back to Egypt with the purpose of setting his people free. Now, you know that story. But some of you, well, you may not even have heard this story. 
I've heard very few people, preachers, preach on it because it is somewhat of an obscure passage, a confusing passage, a passage that makes us pause for a second and wonder why. Because in Exodus chapter 4, verse 24, as Moses has picked up his two young sons, put them on a donkey, gone into his wife Zephora, they're on their way to Egypt, he's reignited his call, he said yes to God, he's going to pursue his purpose, he stops at an inn, basically a cheap motel on his way to Egypt. And here's what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 4, verse 24. At the lodging place, on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zephora took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. What? It's a cheap motel. They're on their way to their calling. It's a new chapter. They're about to cross a border, the border of calling, from shepherd to liberator. It's an adventure in God. It's a journey of faith. And suddenly, at this inn, at this motel, it says, and God was about to kill Moses. And I say, God, why? He said yes to you. He's following his call. He's moving towards it. Why in the world would you want to eliminate the man that you just called? Oh. It doesn't tell us right away, but as we read the passage, we start to get an understanding of what's happening and why God almost killed Moses on the way to his call. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, spiritual baggage can hold you back when you're stepping in to a new season. You see, God had called Moses to be a liberator. But we find out from this passage that Moses had, well, he had baggage. And that baggage wasn't a problem when he was not doing much, when he was just a shepherd, when he wasn't embracing a high calling on his life. But when he started to move closer to his calling, that baggage became an issue. Because the closer you move to, ma making an to making a difference, the closer you step into your purpose, the more aligned you get with your calling, the higher standard God has for your life. Listen, there's some of you here that want to go on vacation. Maybe next year you've postponed it because of COVID. And it's not a big deal that your passport is out of date right now. It's expired. You can drive around, walk around, you can shop, you can eat, and an expired passport really is no big deal until you decide to cross a border. 
And when you go and show your passport at the border, then suddenly your expired passport will keep you from crossing a border that you want to cross. You don't even notice that it's an issue if you're not traveling, if you're not crossing a border, if you're not going somewhere. You don't even require a passport to live and travel around, and travel around Chicagoland area or the borders of the United States. But the moment that you decide to cross a border to go to another place, then your expired passport is a huge issue. It can keep you from crossing a border. Spiritually speaking, if you have spiritual baggage, unresolved business in your life, disobedience in your life, you can walk around what you're doing right now, you can play around with what you're doing, and if you're not really engaging in your call, it doesn't make much of a difference. But the moment that you start to engage in a calling that is higher, the moment that you cross a border into a new season, the moment that you go to another level in your life, the moment that you're trying to go to that next level in your life, then suddenly your baggage, your baggage will make a difference. It can hold you back. You say, well, what baggage did Moses have? Well, let's look at the passage a little bit more closely. In Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 14, God called a man. Sometimes we talk about God choosing the people of Israel. God did not choose a nation or a people. God chose a man out of which a nation would be birthed. God chose Years before Moses, God chose a man by the name of Abraham. His name was actually Abram. And God said to this man, I want you to come and follow me into a land that I will give you. I will make you a father of a great nation. Now, this man was single. He had no children. And he married, and his wife and him couldn't have no children. But he had a promise that God was going to give him a land and a people. Well, he lived and lived and lived for a long time, and he still had no children. He prospered, but he still had no children. He married his wife. His wife was about 90 years old, and God had spoken to him, I'm going to make you a great nation. And you remember the story how Sarah, at the ripe age of 90 years old, had a child named Isaac. And out of Isaac, a nation was born. God spoke to Abraham and made an Abrahamic covenant with him and said, I will give you, I will make you a great nation and I will make you a great people, but I want you to follow the covenant. Every male child that's born from your descendants, at the eighth day, I want you to circumcise that child. It'll be a sign that you belong to a people. It'll be a sign that you are part of a covenant people, that I have a promise upon you that you are a chosen people. The eighth day, every male child will be circumcised. Moses was a part of the descendants of Abraham. But listen to me well. Moses had married a woman that was not Jewish. She was from Midian. Most scholars believe that Moses probably did not circumcise his oldest son Gershom because his wife probably said, why are you going to do that to our little baby boy? That's a brutal practice. That's a barbaric practice. I don't want you to do that to my little baby boy. And so that Moses probably compromised and did not circumcise his son when he was born, even though he knew it was a commandment of God for the Jewish people. So now Gershom is probably about 
eight or nine years old at this time, and he's still not circumcised. It had not been a big problem while Moses was just shepherding sheep, but as Moses started to go towards doing something greater than shepherding sheep, then there was a greater expectation of obedience on his life. Are you following me here today? And the Bible says that God was about to kill Moses. He was about to kill Moses because, listen to me, I don't want you to sabotage your future destiny with toxic spiritual baggage from your past that you have been, uh, that you have been unable or unwilling to deal with. Some of you are in a cycle right now. You're in a season you should have left a long time ago, but you have baggage that doesn't let you cross a border. Some of you have repeated a season over and over and over. You're getting tired of the season that you're in because you should have left that season a long time ago. But you're stuck in a season because you're unwilling to let go of the baggage. You can't cross the border because you're unwilling to let go of certain things that God said, let go of it or deal with it. Or take a step of obedience. But since you've clung to it, held on to it, but unwilling to let go of it, or been unwilling to follow a step of obedience, you're stuck on the other side of the border of God's calling. His purpose and His plan for you. Moses almost got stuck on the other side because of his baggage, his unfinished business, his unwillingness to obey because he had compromised. Which leads me to my second point. Write this down. Spiritual baggage will surface unexpectedly and can affect those who are closest to you. Notice what it says that happens. So here's Moses. He's in a cheap motel. He's about to die. He's got two boys in the room with him. His wife, Sephora, is afraid. She doesn't know what to do. I don't know if Moses had a seizure I don't know if he's on his deathbed. I don't know if there's an angel about to kill him. But Zephora knows that her husband is about to die. She's aware of it. And she's also aware of the reason. Notice what it says. But Zephora took a flint knife. Flint is a type of rock that they would sharpen. Took a flint knife and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. What? Let me tell you what's happening here. Zephora the wife realizes Moses has not circumcised his boys like he should have. He's about to die. He can't do it now himself. So I'm going to do, she feels like, I have to do what my husband did not do. Now, it's one thing when you circumcise a baby at eight days old. They barely know what's going on. But imagine her telling her son, Gershom, Gershom, come here. Why, Mommy, just come. Dad, come here. Mommy, what are you doing? I got the rock. This is going to hurt. I'll spare you the bloody details. I can just imagine Gershom at 25 in a support recovery group, though. <laughs> He's saying, I still remember that dark day. 
I tried to block it out. My mother said, come, come. She took a rock, not even a real knife, a rock. And, and oh, it's painful to think about it. Well, what happened? Let me tell you what happened. Listen, this is not a message for men, but let me talk to the men for a second. Let me tell you something, men. Zephora had to end up doing what Moses should have done years ago. Moses' lack of obedience and compromise fell on the shoulders of his wife, and his wife had to do what her husband should have done a long time ago, and she resented him for it. Moses should have stuck to his convictions and circumcised his boys, but because he compromised and gave in to the culture, he did not circumcise them, and his wife had to do at a very inconvenient time what he should have done a long time ago. Listen to me, men. When you abdicate your spiritual responsibility, when you become passive in your leadership, and you... There's things that God has called you to do in your household, lead in your household, raise in the household, speak into your household. When you fail at your responsibility, it falls into the lap of your wife to do what you should have done a long time ago. And although she may do it, there is a resentment that will build in her heart for having to do what you should have done. Compromise always seems nice at the moment because compromise usually avoids pain. But when you compromise at one time, I can guarantee you that the pain of your compromise will get greater in the future than it is in the present. Zephora had to circumcise a nine-year-old that should have been a baby at eight years old where he could have never remembered what happened and because, he, uh, because Moses did not deal with a step of obedience a long time ago, then it came at him at a very, very bad time in life. Listen, if you're compromising right now, let me tell you, your compromise right now is going to come back to bite you later in a bigger way of pain. As you go to cross the border, I mean, I, I, I remember this happening, the first marriage that I ever performed. I was 21 years old and had led a couple to Christ, and my wife and I were mentoring them. I was just a young pastor, and this couple was living together. They had a son already, and it was, we were going to marry them. I was going to marry them. I'd never done a, a marriage before, and so they came to Christ. They're living together, and I said to them, hey, you know what? You're Christians now. You got to get married. You can't just be living together. And they said, okay, we're going to get married. I did the premarital counseling. I was all excited about it, a little nervous about marrying them. And then three days before the wedding, I talked to the, the woman calls me up, and she said, Pastor, can I talk to you about a second? I said, sure. I said, what's going on? She said, I think I have a problem. I said, what's the problem? She said, well, you know me, and she named her fiancé. We were going through a hard time about five years ago. We got separated. I said, okay. And she said, you know, I was really hard up for cash and money, and so I married a guy to make him legal. Now, we never consummated the marriage, and everybody gave me $5,000 It helped me out, and she said, my fiancé doesn't know about it. She said, is that a problem? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, it's a problem, because polygamy is not allowed in the state of Illinois. 
Yeah, you can't be married to someone that, and marry someone else that's illegal. And she said, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, you're going to have to tell them. Listen, her compromise, her compromise of five years ago came back to her at a very inconvenient time. We had to postpone the wedding. This is my first wedding. I'm like, man, I, I really blew it, I think. I, I, just, I should have asked, are you married to someone else already? I mean, I forgot. They didn't teach me that in Bible college. And we had to tell all the relatives, hey, by the way, there's been a paperwork glitch. It was the nicest thing we could come up with. And she said, by the way, I don't know where this guy is. I haven't talked to him in five years. What are we going to do? And so she had to put an article in the newspaper. Talk about trying to keep things under wraps. An article in the newspaper, I'm looking for you to divorce you. I'm serving you a divorce. I don't know where you're at. And so finally, she went through this sort of mock divorce so that I could marry them for the first time. But let me tell you, her compromise of five years before came back to bite her at a crucial celebration in her life when she was about to cross into a new destiny and make her marriage right before God. But because she had compromised and hadn't dealt with it, it came back to bite her at a very inconvenient time. Compromise is that way. Crossing the border is that way. God wants us to deal with issues so it won't hold us back from his calling and what he has for you. Some of you are in the same old cycle, the same old season, because God says, I can't move you to a new season until you're willing to deal with the issues that I've been talking to you about, convicting you about for a long time. Moses had lived with the disobedience of uncircumcised boys for a long time. And finally, it fell into his lap to deal with it. Because compromise initially feels like we're avoiding pain, but ultimately it comes back to bite us. Let me, can I just, uh, let me just mess with you a little bit because I need to. Someone you need to hear it straight up because you're not going to hear it probably anywhere else. I know you think he's a great guy. Pastor, I've been waiting for a long time. We moved in together, Pastor, because we really love each other. And you know what? We, we said, Lord, what is marriage? Just a piece of paper. We're just going to just kind of consecrate this to you and we're married in the eyes of God. So pastor, we moved in together and we just said, Lord, you understand, we're committed. And so pastor, I've had these conversations. Pastor, I, I feel like I'm pretty much married. He doesn't want to get married right now, but I, I kind of feel like we're, we're waiting for the right moment. Let me tell you, you're not married. You're living in fornication, in sin, and don't call it marriage because it's not. Don't call it an in-between period, because it's not. You're pretty much living in compromise right now, 
because one of you doesn't want to make the commitment of marriage. Well, Pastor, it's coming. And the time will come where because of your, because of your compromise that you'll have a relationship that's really not favored and blessed by God. It'll affect your relationship with God. It'll affect your relationship with one another. It'll reflect, it'll reflect the relationship. It'll come back to sabotage you at different times because you thought the pain of not wanting to get married at the time was worth the compromise, and it'll come back to bite you. So what do you need to do? Get married. Wow, did it get silent in here. I know some of you are saying, I should have gone to another church this morning. I just wanted a nice little message with candles and baby Jesuses, and now you're like messing with us. I'm just trying to preach the word. Hello. And the word of God is powerful and effective. I'm letting you know that compromise in our life ultimately comes back to bite us. Listen, if you have resentment in your life, you have baggage of resentment, and you are trying to cross to a new season, and you say, well, pastor, resentment, it doesn't affect anybody. It's just between me and God. No, if you have resentment to your father, and you have not dealt with that resentment to your father, and God is taking you to a new season, taking you into marriage, taking you into having kids, taking you into ministry, taking you into influence, and yet you have resentment in your life, that resentment will, it will poison your soul It'll spill out to your marriage. It'll affect your children. It'll cause you to be explosive. Words will come out of your mouth that will hurt and damage people. Why? Because you have baggage in your life that God said, get rid of it years ago, and you've dragged it from season to season to season, and it's affecting the people that are closest to you. Moses hurt his boys, hurt his wife, and almost sabotaged his calling because he had unfinished business and baggage that he had not dealt with. Number three, and lastly, not only can it hold you in a season without crossing, it surfaces in unexpected seasons and can affect the people closest to you. But number three, here's the encouraging one. Spiritual baggage when dealt with opens doors to move into the next season with freedom and favor. The moment that Zephora circumcised her son, here's what the Bible says. So the Lord let him alone. In other words, the Lord stepped back and said, okay, you're free to go now. The Bible tells us that Moses went and found Aaron, his brother. Once he found Aaron, his brother, they came together. And look what it tells us in verse 30. He also performed signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Moses went on to be a liberator of the people. Moses went on to, to go up to Mount Sinai and spend time with God, come down with the Ten Commandments. He went, he went as a solo individual, a prophet that had obeyed God and dealt with his baggage. He 
solo-handedly with the power of God brought to knees the most powerful nation on earth called Egypt through the plagues that God brought about and set 1.2 million people free to find their destiny in the promised land fulfilling the Abrahamic covenant that had been given to Abraham years ago that they would be a people and find a nation. Why? Because he decided to deal with his baggage. As we cross into 2022, I'm wondering if you throw open the suitcase of your life and you say, Lord, here it is. What is it in that suitcase that God says, why are you carrying that into this new year? This resentment, this unforgiveness, this addiction, this step of obedience that you keep saying you're going to take but you never take. This step of baptism that I called you to a while back and you thought, yeah, 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 but you haven't taken it. Surrendering your life to Christ that I asked you to do a long time ago, you've been thinking about it, but haven't done. Walking in sexual purity that you say, yeah, I'm going to start, I'm going to start, but you never do. What is it in your suitcase that God says, why are you taking it into this new season? Look at, the ba- look at the luggage in your life and say, what can I take into the new season that's been sanctioned by God, blessed of God, sanctified by God, that I don't have to try to cover or hide as I go into this new season, that I'm not ashamed of as I go into this new season, but I walk in with freedom and confidence saying, God, everything that I know, I'm bringing to you sanctified before you, God. There's nothing that I'm dragging from 2021 into my next season. I'm wondering, are you willing to do an inventory? Are you willing to take an honest look at your life? Are you willing to Honestly, brutally, look at what you have and say, God, what is it that you have been telling me to leave behind? I believe that Moses, because he dealt with this issue, he almost sabotaged his calling. He almost, almost messed up his family. He almost derailed the purpose of his life, but he dealt with it. Almost in a crisis situation. So my challenge to you today is as you look at your life, I want to challenge you to ask yourself, what is it today? I felt like God wanted me to preach this message. I couldn't get away from it. I really didn't want to preach this message, this passage. But I felt like God kept bringing me back to preach it, preach it. So I've learned over the years that when God says preach it, that I need to preach it because someone needs to hear it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great a cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. 
let me just remind you of this. If you are dragging baggage that God hasn't called you to carry, it's going to get tired, tiresome to do so. Some of you are weighted down, not because of the calling of God upon your life, but because you're carrying things that God told you to get rid of a long time ago. It, you were never engineered by God to carry that which he asked you to let go of. So some of you are weary emotionally, tired, not because what you, God has called you to do is tiring you out. You say, well, pastor, I'm all tired out because I have three kids. I'm trying to raise them, and I feel exhausted. I have no energy. Yeah, maybe that's part of it, but maybe, maybe it's that unforgiveness that you hold towards your husband that's really what's draining you the most. It drags you down emotionally, drains you mentally and spiritually, and so you have very, very little left over to be able to raise your kids. It's not, I believe that God empowers you to whatever he's called you to do. If you're a mother of three, then you have the power to parent those children in a God, godly way. God is giving you everything that you need to parent those children and more. You are the mother that they deserve. You are the mother that They've called to. You have everything that you need to do an outstanding, amazing job at parenting your children, but not if you're carrying weight that God never called you to carry. My prayer is that no one gets stuck in an old season because of baggage that God said, let go of it a long time ago. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me. On the last Sunday of 2021, There is a line that you're crossing in our calendar. It marks a new year. Before you cross, before you cross over, today, I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying, do an inventory. What is it that I've been talking to you about? What is it that you've been dragging? What is it that God is saying, child, I know you've clung to it. I know you've held on to it. I know you've grasped it. But I'm asking you, leave it behind. I don't want it in your future. I don't want it in this new season. Let go of it. What is, it that, what is it that God is saying to you? And I'm going to ask, as you open up that suitcase of your life and look at it, that you would say, Holy Spirit, come and take a look at all this. Is there a step of obedience that you've delayed that God has been prompting you to take? Is there an action step? 
someone you need to talk to, someone you need to release, a step of obedience you need to take. Maybe God has been calling you to surrender your life to him, and you keep saying, when I'm better, when I'm different, when I'm more cleaned up, but yet God is saying, are you really going to go into another year without totally surrendering to his lordship? I believe that you can enter into probably the greatest season of your life, but you can't do it hanging on to old baggage. You can't do it grasping that which God has said let go of. So I'm going to open up this altar for the last Sunday in 2021. And if there's a specific area that God has spoken to you about, a specific action step that you need to take, a specific conversation you need to have, a step of obedience that you need to make, something that you need to release, something that you need to take out of your suitcase and say, God, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of it. I'm letting go of this. I hung on to it way too long. It's not a part of 2022. I repent of it. I release it. I let it go. I want you to ask yourself that question. What is God asking you to take out of your suitcase before you step into this new year? And if you know what it is, then I'm going to invite you down to this altar to say, I'm coming, I'm getting on my knees, and I'm saying, God, I'm letting go of it, I'm releasing it, or I'm taking this step of obedience. I don't want you to come if you're saying, well, I hope I can. No, 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 this is not about hoping, this is about obedience. This is about saying, I know, I'm not going to enter into the new year with it, God. You've spoken clearly and powerfully. I know the decisions what you've been talking to me about for some time, and I know what I need to do. And now it's just a matter of confirming and saying, God, I'm on my knees before you, stating, yes, Lord, this is what I will do. So if the Lord has been talking to you for some time, this is the final Sunday of 2021, just to say, get on your knees and say, Lord, I've decided, here it is. I'm obeying you, God. No baggage in this new year. If there's an addiction you need to get rid of, don't, don't, don't just say, well, I hope I'll be better. No, 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 no. You need to take a step. No baggage. If it's about sexual purity in your life, then quit, quit saying, yeah, yeah, I hope I'll get better. No, no, no. Make a decision. No baggage. You have a purpose and a call on your life. Stop repeating the seasons. It's time to get out of that season. It's time to go into a God season. Be clear with God. God, I'm coming with this. I'm coming clearly, releasing this, taking it out of my baggage. God, I repent of it. I let go of it. I release it. I determine not to live with it, God. This will not be a part of my future. 
And if the enemy tries to keep putting it in my suitcase, I'll keep taking it out as many times as I have to because I will not let it stay in my suitcase. I will not let it be a part of my future. This will not be a part of my life. This is not who I am. It's not who I will be. And I will not let it affect my children, my family, my relationships, my destiny. This will not be a part of me. 